And welcome in to the Thursday, or maybe Friday as you're listening to this edition of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Obviously, we know we have our early week one, but now we're going to start adding in a, depending on how you look at it, mid to late week one, where we're going to touch on injuries that have happened since the last time that you listened to this podcast, as well as some weekend streamers. And of course, there's free agents to be picked up. So we are going to talk some fab priority as well. And of course, with this I believe this is our first Thursday edition or Friday edition, maybe one other one before that, but it's a full house here. So let me start with my normal co-pilot, Matt Sells, at The Salesman on Twitter. So Matt, how is everything going for you? We've just recently talked, so hopefully not too much has happened. Yeah, I'm doing I'm doing pretty well. Um, you know, can't complain. Weather's getting nicer out here, except for the 28-degree day it was two days ago, and now it's 88 today. So who the hell knows what's going to happen tomorrow? <laughs> but uh, I'm good other than that. Absolutely. And then, of course, the last time that James Grande was here in the podcast, we were talking all about Michael Conforto. So, of course, as we're recording this, he homers. So James decided to jump on. So at the underscore real underscore Grande with us here. James, how are you, my friend? Yeah, I felt like crashing the party. Uh, just to, I was going to just tell Colby I was I was proud of our boy Michael Conforto. But, you know, I decided to stay around. Uh, I'm doing well, Colby. Uh, you know, been a good start to the year, I think. Um my FSGA team is doing very well to start the year. Knock on wood. I hope it doesn't. Uh, that doesn't. <laughs> but I have my Conforto there, you know. So probably even better. Probably even better start. So uh, doing good. Um, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. And uh, I'm excited to get this Thursday pod because I think it's a lot of important stuff heading into the weekend and heading into next week. You know, the week after as well. Things that we're going to discuss here. Absolutely. And of course, we've been seeing a lot in the Discord, a lot of questions with Fab. So like we said, we wanted to get this mid to late week edition out so that your teams are primed and ready not only for the weekend ahead, but potentially even the rest of the season with some of these guys. But before we start talking about guys to add to your team, have to talk about some guys that may be subtracted from your team for maybe the next couple weeks per se. So the big news that broke Eloy Jimenez, mountain of a man in the outfield, soft tissue injuries have been unkind to him in the past and it struck here already just a week into the season i believe the last time i saw it's two to three weeks that he'll be out uh, matt what are you doing here with the eloy injury we're obviously holding him is there any big movers or shakers or winners or losers from the jimenez uh injury that he suffered here i don't think so i mean jake Berger got called up to fill the spot but i don't think that's a huge um you know, a huge game changer there. I know there was some talk about Oscar Colas, but the, you know, the, the White Sox manager came out and said he's not a platoon role. He's an everyday guy. So the Jimenez injury didn't have anything to do with him other than, you know, it's just time to circle the date on the calendar again for Eloy. Like, I, I feel bad for the guy, but they should really take the Astros route, what they're doing with Jordan and just stick him at DH. So he just has to hit four times a game and not move. Um, and not, <laughs> and not, I mean, just run the bases. Like, don't try to cover uh, left field. You've got capable outfielders. So maybe they'll do that when he comes back. But I don't really think it changes. I mean, it changes the depth of the White Sox lineup for sure. But in terms of a fantasy ad, I don't see anybody that really make moves the needle on that one. Yeah, and James, one of the questions that came in Discord was, does the injury here to – uh, Eloy make Colas a must add, and Matt obviously touched on Oscar Colas there a little bit. But to me, nothing is really going to change with Colas because it's not like, well, Eloy's out, let's stick him in there against lefties now. It seems like they're right. going to protect him a good bit. So, really, and I mean, if you really want to look into it, 
uh, Colas isn't playing as the first game that Eloy's missing, Berger's DHing. But really, I don't think Colas's fantasy value changes. He's still the same guy that he was. He's not going to face lefties. Yeah, he's not going to face lefties. And like you just well, said, hold on. They did admit that he's going to be in the lineup against Rich Hill. Well, that's not a lefty. That's a corpse. Yeah, I mean, that's just okay. He technically <laughs> throws with his left arm. Watch it. <laughs> Pittsburgh, great. Let's be careful with the slander. Yeah. <laughs> all right. My apologies. Um, all those that have, uh, yeah. Uh, the seven of us are coming all seven, strong. All okay? seven of you guys that, that celebrate the Pirates. Um, I mean, look, Jake Berger is hitting fourth today. And is what is the correlation? I mean, their lineup is horrible. Like, after Andrew Vaughn hitting third, we have they have the great Hanser Alberto hitting fifth. Um, so, like, you can see that, like, they are not the deepest team. Doesn't do anything to Colas. Um, maybe in extremely deep formats, like if anyone knows how deep Matt Sell's league is, like if you have a type of <laughs> – there's 20 different teams that have 50 different roster spots, then maybe Jake Berger can find I his actually, way into a team. I actually, by the way, have Jake Berger in there. <laughs> well, point, there's your – there's, you know, example number one. He's still one. on my bench, though. So I'm just – but the point remains he is on your team. Because yeah. your league is insane. Um, so if you have a league such as Matt's league where there's a lot of rosters, there's a lot of roster spots, then maybe if Jake Berger is going to hit in the middle of the lineup. But that's the only thing that really comes from this. Yep, absolutely. Another one, I'm interested for your thought, both of your thoughts on this. Uh, obviously, Jazz Chisholm was injured. Uh, sliding into second base, I believe it was a stolen base attempt. Apparently, it's going around Twitter that there was a hot mic that picked up that he's going to be out for the year. To me, when I heard that, my thought of it was, we, you know, when you watch an NFL game, right, someone goes down and holds their knee, what's the first thing you think? First thing that comes to your mind is ACL, they're ACL. out for the year. Yep. It's not always the case. So, like, it's – I'm not – until the team says it, I'm not really buying the hot mic comment. Uh, right. Jazz is going to go on the IL. It seems all but certain. He's got to be a guy that you hold on to. At what point, if your league doesn't have IL spots, what would the timetable be where you would drop Jazz? Because for me, it's got to be like an absurd amount of time. Well, ma- whoever wants months, to go first. Months? If, it, if they came out and said months, plural? Yeah, and probably, but if it's anywhere but under, if it's anywhere from like a month, month and a half. I'm okay. I'm okay keeping him. I mean, he played a half a season last year and still put up fantasy relevant numbers. Right? Yeah. So, uh, but I will clarify that I did see tweets from um, Marlin beat writers and whatnot who said the manager got a text from Jazz Jism and said it was just a stinger and he'd be day to day. So good. there is encouragement there. I did see it reported by their. Uh, TV network to Bally Sports, which is apparently still in business. Um, apparently, apparently, but I did see that it was um, a stinger, which is good. But if anything else, like you know, if he's still feeling iffy in a couple of days and they go for scans, then we'll still have to watch it. But my heart did did jump out of my chest a little bit when I saw him get injured because I do have him on <laughs> as a keeper in my fantasy team. Um, we're just talking about Matt's fantasy team today. That's what this podcast is about. I'm just <laughs> dodging bullets over here is what's <laughs> happening. Um, so yeah, so as of right now, he's day to day, which is good news for everybody that drafted him, hoping for a 2030 season from him. But I would say that this may hold him off from stealing bags for a little bit. Sure. Um, and I'm not even sure it was the bag, I think he slid into the guy's leg. If yes. like, 
on the center field camera, it looked like his shoulder hit mm -hmm. um, the shortstop's leg. So we'll see if it changes what he does on the base paths going forward. But I'm still fine with him going like 2020. Josh Donaldson might miss a couple of games. I believe it was hamstring tightness, I think I saw for him as he's getting older. No surprise there. So yeah, James... He rolled out of bed the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is a pro-Yankee podcast for those who have been listening to it. It's always it's always full of positive comments on this team, you know, one way or another. But, uh, James, what do you think happens with, with the lineup? It, this year, the only other guy who's logged a, a start at third base has been DJ LeMayhew. So is that going to be the plan while Donaldson's out? Yeah, that's the, that's the clear-cut. Decision. I mean, they've pretty much moved IKF to the outfield. Um, I think what could potentially happen, like on days that they want to give Rizzo off, because they have shown that need and desire to get him days off, they could just play Franchi Cordero, who was playing first base in spring training for Baltimore. So he'll probably just play first. And LeMahieu was the de facto backup first baseman. Now he'll just play third full-time. Yeah, you, uh, you could also put Peraza at third base if you wanted to. Yes. And put Cordero in the outfield or, you know, anything to keep Aaron Hicks out of the outfield would be lovely. Yeah, anything to keep Aaron Hicks <laughs> as far away from the, the field of play is definitely the correct decision. This changes, just changes security code to get into the stadium, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, this like, yeah we need the, uh, uh, who was it? Uh, what's his name from the now Seahawks? Earl Thomas? No, is, uh, it, no, Jamal Adams, it? Jamal Adams, Jamal Adams, um, Jamal Adams, where he couldn't get into the building. Right, yeah, we the need... Jets, yeah, the Jets facility. <laughs> yeah, play, play that, play that meme right now. We'll insert that into the into this pod, and that's what we need for Aaron Hicks. Yeah, with an overlay of Hicks right there, trying to yes. get in the building, and he can't. Um, Matt Omar Narvaez is going to be out. It sort of was a calf issue, then it becomes a mid to high grade calf strain, which has now become to eight to nine weeks. It seems so we're talking two months. The team is going to bring up Francisco Alvarez. Apparently, he's going to get steady playing time because why the hell wouldn't he if he is going to come up? He's obviously going to be a very flashy name for those looking to add some pop to their radar, especially at a position of need. However, uh, fantasy managers will need to check their league settings. Um, so, Matt, what are you going to do here with Francisco Alvarez and this kind of weird fantasy conundrum that we're in with picking him up? Yeah, so there's a couple things going on here. One, the Mets have said that if they call him up, that their plan is to play him as much as possible, but they do still have Thomas Nito, who is a veteran. I mean, the bat's not great, but they were never counting on a bat from Omar Narvaez anyway. Um, so if Alvarez struggles a bit, which he did a little bit in a cup of coffee last year. Like, we can't really count last year, but he did struggle a little bit when he came up. Um, so there's that the playing time isn't guaranteed, but also the key part is that for a lot of sites, for some reason, Alvarez is listed as a DH and does not have catcher, um, eligibility, which really limits, uh, where you're going to be able to put them, right? Cause obviously DH is usually taken up by some big bopper or whatnot that you would then have to take out of the lineup to get Alvarez in. So Pay attention to that because it may not be till the end of April that he actually gets catcher eligibility based on your league's settings. If it's five games, it may just be a week. If it's 10 or 15 or 20 games, you may not be looking at eligibility until like May. So we'll see because who knows? Maybe the uh, Mets borrow a playbook from the Braves and not play their top catching guy 
more than their backup. Oh, 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 I think they're definitely playing their top catching guy. I think that's seemingly been the plan all along, is it not? I as mean, much as we play, want, why change for Sean Murphy if you're going to play Darno twice as much? I mean, you're. I mean, you know, maybe that was the plan all along. Or you could be like the Rangers and bat both catchers back to back in a lineup. Sure, because they had Garver and Heim back to back in the lineup against Rodriguez yesterday, and one playing DH and one catching. Until Alvarez gets catching eligibility, is the juice worth the squeeze, James? No. Fair enough, no. Nope. Okay, then I need to go adjust some bids that I have. That'll go We, we, need, we need to prove that the bat is capable yeah. of sticking with major league pitching Agreed. to make him worth only a DH spot. Because there's plenty of dudes that'll just sit there and jack homers. Yeah. Like, I'd rather play Jake Berger in a DH spot than Francisco Alvarez right now. Whoa. Agreed. I no, I agree. I, but I agree. It's it's you think about it, but it is true. I but mean, you could go ahead. You could just go find someone on the waiver wire right now who will hit. Like I'm we'll just gonna throw, a couple of them too. I'm gonna just I'll just throw a random name out there. Uh, Jorge Soler. I'm just looking at my yes. my in one of my ESPN league waiver wire. Right, he's already hit three home runs this year. If he is any semblance of what he was when he hit 49 home runs a couple years ago, I would, why not just play him in your DH spot instead of Alvarez? Like the value of Alvarez is the catcher position. And that's really what it boils down to just given the lack of depth there. So not to mention that Omar Narvaez was batting ninth for the Mets. Right. In the catcher spot. So if you assume that Alvarez is going to bat either eighth or ninth and everybody else gets bumped up one, then he's getting less at bats, less, run production, you know, upside, and Solaire is batting in the middle of a pretty decent um, Marlins lineup. Now, the only thing with Alvarez, though, that I'm going to say, because what, what y'all said is true, and what I'm about to say can be true as well, so it's not like a and or statement. Okay. For those fancy managers out there who don't pick up Alvarez probably today or tomorrow, they won't get him. If you wait till he gets catcher right. eligibility, yeah. you're not going to get him. It's one of those things of, ooh, a top prospect's called up, got to get him right now, and don't really think about it. So you, I think you're right. It's going to take him time to get catcher eligibility. The bat's got to come along, but at the same point, if we don't pick him up today or tomorrow, we're not getting him. Correct. So in what, in what, so like, then that has to be a decision like in two catcher formats, right? Like if you have mm -hmm. the available... Uh, that's where I would most likely be placing my bids on Alvarez because you know that's the most the yeah, yeah that's the most valuable spot in one catcher leagues with shallow benches. I'm okay missing out on him um, if he what he's likely going to cost you on waivers. Correct. I think that's a good way to target it, and also too, even if it is like a one catcher league per se but you just believe in the offensive profile it is if you don't have but more than maybe four bench spots like he yeah. can't clog up like no. there's only a couple util guys that that are worth a roster spot clogging it up on the bench and alvarez at this point is not one of them what if you're in an nl only that's yeah, a different I, story that's yeah. different. Like one catcher at NL that point only. yes then yeah um, you're yeah, you're bidding because I mean, well, he's the only hope for a good catcher coming yeah. unless the trade deadline but that's not for another three months. You're you're bidding a lot of fab to get him in that scenario. Yeah. Just wanted to cover all bases because there are people playing Agreed. only leagues and you know. And who knows? Maybe if your league didn't count his time in the majors last year and you still count him as a catcher, then he's totally worth a fab. 
If he counts as a catcher right now, he's definitely worth a fab bid. If he's util, you're going to have to find a way to park him if you want him. I understand a new prospect comes up. It's very flashy. It's very exciting to be quickly be enamored by everything they do. Before doing it, just check what position is listed to their name. Look at your league settings. Determine if it's worth it from there. So Alvarez is going to be one of the splashier uh, prime or priority pickups here, but there's a couple other guys I want to kind of talk about here. So a couple infielders have really popped off of late in Milwaukee. We got Bryce Terang in St. Louis, uh, Nolan Gorman, who was a favorite dart throw of mine late, and Pittsburgh legend Ji Huan Bay has been a contact and speed guy to start the year here. So all of these guys have second base eligibility. I think Terang might have another position depending on your sure league. So. Yeah, depending on the league, he might have second and short. Um, so I'll start with you, Matt. Of those three, Terang, Gorman, and Bay, which of those would you prioritize or even how would you order them in terms of picking them up? Okay, so again, not to make this about me, but I have a dynasty league. <laughs> I do have – I do have. I traded for Gorman last year, and I traded for Terang, um, or I picked up Terang in the draft. You know, if you made the show sheet, I would say you're done with the show sheet anymore, but I'm the one who made it. So yeah, I, correct. Like I, I have, actually, so you're in the clear. You're safe. You're. you're I don't okay have Bay, but I do have another middle infield prospect for the Pirates and Nick Gonzalez on that dynasty. So we're covered with <laughs> with the same teams. Anyway, how I would rank them would be Terang and then Bay and then Gorman for me. Um, Terang has guaranteed playing time right now. He's the starting second baseman. He's got a pretty decent spot in that lineup. His bat is producing. He's a nice combo of power and speed and has a pretty decent hit tool bay comes second for me because he plays like four positions i wrote him up in the prospect report that came out wednesday um he plays second he's got experience at short he's played center field left field they're gonna play him a bunch of different spots he's got a very nice hit tool if you're in an on-base league he's also very good at on-base percentage and the speed plays now is he gonna hit a lot of homers no in 300-and-something career games, he's got 17 total homers, and eight of those came last year at AAA. So, you know, he did hit one over the monster the other day, but even a blind, you know, even a blind squirrel finds a nut at some I point. I cannot believe that ball got out, by the way. Yeah. yeah that, I just cannot believe that was a home run. I think the wind helped a little. I think somebody turned on a fan at the right time and blew it up over the – that was nuts. Um, but his defense plays, so he's going to keep getting playing time. And Gorman, for me, the only problem is that there's a lot of moving pieces in that Cardinals yep. lineup. So I can't, you can't be guaranteed playing time. Sure, when he's out there, he's got a boomstick, and he can hit the ball a long way. But I don't know where the at-bats are coming from on a regular basis between um, Edmund at short, Brendan Donovan plays like everywhere. Jordan Walker's getting playing time. When he doesn't, there's like four other outfielders that they could play. Right. So new bar on the new bar on the IL yeah. coming back would it's just gonna muddy the waters. Correct. So that's how I rank them is is Parang Bay Gorman. James. I'd rank them the same way. Um and it, it's it's close. I think like I'd probably put Terang comfortably first. Um just given I mean we're looking at a kid who's going to steal 30 bases with the way that people are running right now. Um, Bay could also steal a bunch. Gorman, it's just the playing time. The other two, I feel more more secure about their playing time. And I mean, Terang's coming off back-to-back 21-30 seasons in the minor leagues across yeah. different levels. So Yeah, I mean, I mean he, it could, for, could it be 40 if he, you know, has 500 at-bats? Maybe. 
maybe. Yeah. Yep. I'm I'm gonna go the same way too. Terang, Gorman, Bay, and then for those that are needing some help in the outfield, uh, Brian Anderson has popped off of late to say the least, and Jose Siri was a favorite of mine, and he's showing a little bit of power speed as well. One guy that's been mentioned in the Discord a lot that we didn't write down here is. Another guy in uh, Milwaukee in Garrett Mitchell. So let's go with these three guys. If you need some outfield help, how would you rank Brian Anderson, Jose Siri, and Garrett Mitchell? James, I'll come to you first. Um, I'm probably going to start with the two Milwaukee guys. Um, I do like – I might lean Anderson because we have the multi-position eligibility there with third and the outfield. Um and then go Mitchell, and then go Siri. Siri kind of falls into that issue where Tampa has a ton of moving parts, and he's been hitting eighth or ninth, and he's been doing most of his damage against lefties this year. So uh, I'd like to see the bat come around against righties more. Um, so I'd go, I'd go Anderson, Mitchell, Siri. Um, very close between the two Milwaukee. I'm going. I'm going the same way as James. My only hesitation on Mitchell is if his wife is in the building, because when his wife True, that was walk, a that was a wild that was a wild post game interview. That did was you hilarious. See her, did you her comment. Yeah. Did you see her tweets? Yeah. yeah. Say it to my. Say it and to then my she face. had the yeah. screenshot from Mean Girls when the guy when the when the guy shows up to the all girls meeting with the blue hoodie on, and she was like me trying to sneak into Amfam Field <laughs> after my <laughs> husband put me on blast. Um, yeah, by the way, she's a professional softball player for USA national team. So it's not like she's a slouch either. So, um, but yeah, I'll go with, I'll, I'll agree with James, um, Brian Anderson for multi-positional stuff. Um, Garrett Mitchell and then Jose Siri. Yeah. Given how much we talked about like third base in drafts, how quickly it fell off. Anderson have an eligibility there gives him the nod for me as well. If you need pitcher help, quite a few guys out there. Uh, Tyler McGill seems to be one that's really jumped off. He obviously the strikeouts are there. His spot in the rotation seems fine with the multitude of injuries that the Mets pitchers have experienced this season. So are you guys intrigued by Tyler McGill here moving forward? Matt, come to you. Uh, yeah, I was going into drafts cause I just figured, um, you know, obviously we got the news um on was it Quintana was going to be out for three months probably prior to fantasy draft so that that to me opened a spot for McGill I know Peterson was kind of in the running there too but um I liked him I mean he had a very good year for them last year so I think even when some of their injured pieces come back I could see the Mets going to a six-man rotation um just to preserve some arms at that point um, so I'm perfectly fine with getting some pitching depth from Taylor McGill. And I mean, when I'm looking at it here on ESPN, he is owned in under 7% of ESPN that fantasy is, leagues. That seems, that seems low. Seems very low. Very. Cause I, I bid in FSGA. I didn't bid over, but I was tripled. Someone bid triple the amount I bid on, um, Tyler McGill. And, I was like, all right, well, you know, you can have them at that price, but like 7% just seems silly. And if you're in fab, like I, I would 100% take a shot on him. And Good. I mean, his first start of the year was against Miami. It looks like a second one is going to be as well. And despite adding all the contact guys, Miami still strikes out a ton. 
So yep, more than more than anyone else so far this year in baseball. Yep. So those are some of the some of the fab priority pickups. You're looking to add some talent to your team to help you out here. Those are some guys to look at there. And to wrap up this episode, let's look ahead to the weekend. Let's talk about some of our favorite streamers for the weekend. Let's get the boldest one right out of the way because James's pick was one that I was strongly considering, and Matt went nuts. So let's go ahead. Let's start with Matt. Matt, let's hear this bold weekend streamer because I love it. So uh, I'm going. I'm not even going to say a little bit Homer with the pick. I just really like the matchup. I'm going Mackenzie Gore pitching Friday in Coors against the Rockies. Gore looked really good in his first start. He looked really good in spring, whatever he was working on, coming back from injury, getting the new pitch mix. Um, it's working so far. And, yes, I know that in his time with San Diego, the two starts that he did the worst in were against the Rockies. Okay, new lineup for the Rockies. They still suck against lefties uh, so far this year. They're striking out 30% of the time against lefties right now. They're bottom four in WRC Plus against them as well, um, or just in general, to be honest. So I'm rolling with Mackenzie Gore. I think it's a pretty good strikeout situation. I think the offense for the Nats is starting to come around. Um, and they can certainly hit Rockies pitching. So I think we're in pretty good shape to get a win and uh, a decent amount of strikeouts out of Mackenzie Gore on Friday in Coors. So Mackenzie Gore in Coors is our first weekend streamer. James, who is going to be the second? I'll just say I'm a little – only thing I'm worried about is the right-handedness, the right-handed heavy lineup that Colorado throws out there. That that'll be the only concern, I think, on the on the Gore front. But – I do like the boldness, Matt. I, I, I respect it. I, that's, you know, if I turn my camera off because my son woke up, tip, tip of the old cap. I, did, I was a little worried he was going to show up. I mean, I will say that right now through the start of this year, the uh, Rockies are 12th most in terms of plate appearances against left-handed pitchers. Okay. And they're striking out the fourth highest percent of the time okay. overall. Maybe not so bold after all, huh? Maybe. And, like, Detroit is the only team with a higher strikeout rate that's also faced lefties more times than the Rockies. So, And their WRC plus, by the way, the Rockies against lefties is 44. That's good. Good number. Third worst in baseball. Only, where only teams worse are Detroit and San Francisco. Good number, 44. Um, I'm going to go with Justin Steele as mm -hmm. my uh, – as my streamer, because he was one of the steals of the draft. Nice. Uh, I mean, look, there was, there should have been more hype coming in on Justin Steele um, after last year. I mean, a guy who posted a 25% strikeout rate, he is a pretty good control guy. Um, he really, I mean, 26% hard hit rate. He was a 52% ground baller last year. Really just profiles as a very good pitcher. Um, and unfortunately, was just on a very bad team. Uh, I understand the Rangers are a pretty potent offense at times, but I think Justin Steele could limit uh, the damage here. Now, let me, let me just check. I mean, we, we just saw Grayson Rodriguez shut them down pretty decently right. in his first start. And I, I think the only worry would be 
if we have wind in Wrigley Saturday afternoon. Blowing um, out specifically. Huh? Blowing out specifically, right. So if there is wind in Wrigley, like, I am definitely more hesitant about going to steal. But if there's no wind blowing out, I mean, there's a lot of strikeout upside here. Um, and he just is, he just profiles as a good pitcher and someone that I want to add kind of everywhere. The Justin Steele pub was not for a lack of trying here. I'll tell you that. I wrote about that guy. I did. Every I saw that. I did that see I that. I did see um, that prior to the draft. And I almost picked Steele for my uh, streamer of the weekend. So I had to pivot because I like Steele a lot. He was my number two. But for me, I'm going with Mike Clevenger, still on less or owned in fewer than 20% of ESPN fantasy leagues. Looked good against Houston, did have three walks, but I'll take the eight strikeouts over five innings. Now he gets Pittsburgh. So at the time of we're recording, Pittsburgh has the 12th highest strikeout rate against right-handed pitching with an 82 WRC plus. So that's bottom 10 in the league with an OPS beneath 700. So not quite sure what's going to happen there, but Clevenger's a guy who is relatively low owned. He looks good. I have concerns with him long-term considering he literally threw two pitches like 95% of the time in his opening start. How long can he survive with just two? He might need to kind of consider that, but against Pittsburgh, he might be okay. And by the way, the current wind forecast for Wrigley Field on Saturday is seven miles an hour, which is not, no, it's not all that bad. I'm not even sure it matters which way it's blowing at that point. Yeah. Yep. So those are your weekend streamers from, from us here. So Mackenzie Gore against Colorado, Justin Steele against Texas, Mike Clevenger against Pittsburgh. Make sure to get those bids in for some of the guys we talked about, mainly Bryce Terang and Brian Anderson. And if you are going to spend big for Francisco Alvarez, you better have a plan. You better know what you're doing and check your league settings. And once you look at them, look at them again, because you don't want to get caught up a, or up a creek without a paddle or else you are in some trouble. So that'll do it for this episode of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Give me a follow on Twitter at Colby R. Conway. You can follow Matt on Twitter at The Salesman. And you can give James a follow at the underscore real underscore grande. I believe I have that right. At the underscore, yep, the underscore king. That's right. So give him a follow there. Check out all the great content that we have here at Fantasy Alarm. If you're not in the Discord yet, get yourself some information to join the Discord so we can talk there, answer any and all questions that you may have. And of course, always give context about the league settings. So that'll do it for this episode. And we'll see you early next week for the next edition of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast.